Beatles to uh, start the hour. First of all, George Harrison and what is life and Ringo Starr with Photograph at uh, quarter past eight, the full English breakfast show. A piece of what is thought to be the world's biggest potato is set to undergo DNA testing in Scotland. Okay. Doug, the potato, as he's been called, weighs 7.9 kilos and was found on a small farm near Hamilton in New Zealand. Colin and Donna Craig Brown were cleaning their vegetable garden in late August when they found the potato. Currently, the Guinness World Record holder for the largest potato is uh, just under 5 kilos for a potato found in Nottinghamshire. I said to Donna, should we go to the Guinness World Record, Colin said. Can you really be bothered, she said, after having read the 128-page application guide on the Guinness World Records website. The couple completed various steps, such as filling in the online application form and supplying video evidence of the potato on a certified weighing scale. They also had to obtain verification by an agronomist to confirm that Doug is, in fact, a potato. And now Guinness World Records has asked for further proof, which is why the Craig Browns are sending the potato for DNA testing. Do they think I genetically modified it, he said. It makes me feel awful. It's been a roller coaster of emotion. While it's extremely deflating, I want to prove them wrong. Uh, we will do everything they ask of us, so at the end of the day they can say yes or no. In the meantime, the couple are waiting to hear from the Guinness World Records to find out if their potato is in fact a confirmed record breaker. You have to be careful because potatoes are still alive when you buy them. You're a record breaker. Potato. What do they? Yes. Unlike a carrot or a bunch of dead grapes, potatoes still living when you harvest it. Why? Why would a carrot not be still alive when you harvest it? Because it's not. <laughs> Did you not know that? I didn't know that. But funnily enough, I mean, I had a few stray potatoes when I harvested my potatoes last. Well, I kind of was May or June time. Um, I thought I'd collect them all up, but I obviously left a few lying on the ground because they've sprung up and started growing new plants. When you think about it, it does make sense, because if you leave a carrot, a carrot just kind of... If you leave a carrot for too long in your kitchen cupboard, and it just slowly kind of... Yeah, you should put uh, carrots in the fridge. Ah, uh, should you now? Yeah. Ah, oh, that's a big carrot debate. Because they're all refrigerated when they arrive at the shop. No, I'm not sure. And then they take them out. You like ta- cucumbers. You ta- Fridge oh, or no fridge? Yeah, cucumbers are a hazard, really, aren't they? Because, I mean, if you forget the cucumber at the bottom of the the, uh, the crisper bit of the fridge, you go in there and find it's, find it's sort of walked away on its own. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to do that a couple of weeks ago, so it's oh. scrape out a manky cucumber. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why I buy cucumbers. I grow cucumbers as well, but I don't actually like them very much. Oh, I like cucumbers. When sandwiches. Yes. Cucumber and, sandwiches. And in a salad. Yeah, in, like in a Greek cucumber. salad, I'll, I'll go along with that, but... They're pretty boring, really, aren't they? They don't oh, taste they, much. Oh, don't they be rotten nice. to the cucumber. What have you ever nice. done to you? Well, nothing, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 17 minutes past eight, and she's back. And now it's time for Woofer of the Week on 106.5 Riviera Radio. It's lovely to be able to welcome Dawn Howard back to the programme uh, for Woofer of the Week. Hello, Dawn. Hello there. It's nice to have you back and to be back with you. Thank you very much. Well, uh, I've been seeing your posts about various woofers over the past few weeks, but uh, let's give it some more publicity. So what do we have for our first woofer of the new year? Today, we've got a medium-sized, tan, cream and black, floppy-eared dog looking for a good new forever home. He's very sweet. Uh, His name's Charlie, which is a nice name for a dog. I think he's a German Shepherd mix. These are intelligent dogs who learn quickly and love to please. He's four years old, so what you see is what you get. 
And like all four-year-olds, he's got some energy which needs draining on a daily basis. So he needs a garden, please, and owners who have the time and inclination to walk him. He's fine with other non-dominant dogs and older children, but he doesn't get on with cats. He has been chipped, vaccinated and castrated already, and he will most definitely make someone a lovely companion. To find out more about Charlie, you can call 0493331414. You can also email, all one word, refugedouflow at free.fr. And you can also just go and visit them. The refuge is the one in Antibes, and they are open from two to five every day. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking uh, uh, the Charlie Daniels band, The Devil Went Down to Georgia, Charlie Pride, or maybe even uh, Charlie Door Pilots, uh, The Airwaves, that one, do you know it? <laughs> I do know it. Choices, choices. OK, well, I shall decide. Thank you, Dawn. Lovely to speak to you again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Marvellous. Thank you very much, Rob. That was Woofer of the Week. For more details about this week's Woofer, go to the 106.5 Riviera Radio page on Facebook or our website at rivieraradio.mc. Woofer of the Week on 106.5 Woof Viera Radio. The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Cote d'Azur. Uh, starting with the Eye newspaper, Boris Johnson's fighting a growing political rebellion as more Conservative MPs predict that he will be forced out despite making a fresh televised apology for Downing Street lockdown passes. Questions are swirling over whether the Prime Minister misled Parliament by denying he knew about the illicit gatherings, in which case he would be expected to resign. Dominic Cummings, the former number 10 aide who is now doing his best to oust Mr Johnson, will this week give evidence to an investigation led by veteran civil servant Sue Gray after he claimed the Prime Minister did know did know that staff were having a party. Uh, Gray's report is now likely to be pushed into next week because of the expanding list of alleged events under investigation and the potential needs to re-interview witnesses in the light of new evidence. But uh, reports are swirling around that the Prime Minister may not last the week. In this morning's Le Monde, on the occasion of the French Presidency of the EU, French President Emmanuel Macron is to address the European Parliament today. Less than three months from the end of his term, Macron is travelling to Strasbourg, where he is to speak uh, to the MPs. The head of state is expected to speak of the continuity of the European sovereignty, the reform of the Eurozone and the ecological and digital transitions. His speech will be followed by a question-answer session with the representatives of all the parliamentary groups. Do you think he's likely to say, je vous emmerde? Or not. Uh, the New Zealand Herald says that Kiwis stuck overseas are fuming over the government's announcement to cancel the latest round of MIQ spots. Uh, that's managed isolation and quarantine, and say there is no end date for when their nightmare will end and they will be allowed back into their home country. And in this morning's Figaro, French Prime Minister Jean Castex has announced an exceptional aid for two months for certain hotel, catering and event companies. Uh, the aid will be equal to 20% of the amount of their gross payroll. BBC World Service News live from London is coming up next, the full English breakfast show. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Mies Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Can, BMW Store Monaco and JPV Fréjus. Boost your business with the electrified range by BMW. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. Nice work if you can get it. What is that jingle says on Riviera Radio Nights? If you marry your lover, you create a vacancy. 
Who wrote that? Honestly, disgraceful. Uh, ten past nine, the Full English Breakfast Show. Very pleased to have Monsieur Louis Ducre in the studio, uh, organising the Fight AIDS Cup in Monaco uh, next Monday, the 24th of January. Hi, Louis. Hi. Nice of you to come in. Do you know, I remember when you were born. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I remember we had played a song called Louis. Do you, you've heard that song, I take it? Uh, no. No? You've no, never I heard didn't it? have a chance. You've never heard it? OK. No. Oh, well, we had to play it several times, but, uh, God, it means I'm getting really old. Anyway, we're not here to talk about how old I am. Uh, Fight AIDS Cup, Monday the 24th of January. Tell us all about this. Uh, Fight AIDS Cup will uh, take place in the Stade Louis II on Monday. Uh, kickoff will be at uh, 6.30, and um, we uh, hope to have a lot of people to to try to support uh, Fight Heads Monaco. Uh, all the funds will be uh, collected for, for Fight Heads Monaco directly. And you've got some top names playing. Tell us a few of the stars who are going to be appearing. Yeah, we have top top players in the two teams. Uh, in the uh, Barbadian teams, we have some former player of, of Monaco, a famous player, legend, uh, like uh, Didier Deschamps, uh, Claude Puel, Fernando Morientes, Trezeguet. Um, Ludovic Julie, uh, and also for the uh, for the circus team, we have uh, we have the chance to have Clarence Sidorf, Mendieta, uh, Zaccardo, Lucatoni, um, Laure Boulot also a female player. So yeah, pretty good players. And uh, is Prince Albert playing, or is he afraid to get his knees out these days? No, he was not. He would not be playing. He's a little bit freezing in January. So. <laughs> Um, it's all in, in aid of uh, Fight AIDS Monaco and, and the charity's done done an amazing job uh, bringing awareness about AIDS and also helping to, to fund research into a cure. Yeah, it's more to help people living with, uh, with, uh, with AIDS, um, living, uh, help them in their everyday life uh, because most of them are rejected every day uh, and uh, they lose uh, confidence in themselves. So the, the charity's here for them to try to recover this confidence, try to help them to live back uh, normal and to be seen like normal people again. And uh, while there isn't actually a cure yet, it's amazing the progress that has been made over the years. And, you know, most people can actually lead a reasonably normal life as long as they take uh, the right combination of drugs. Yeah, right now uh, we have the chance to have some good medication to try to uh, avoid the transmission also of the virus. And uh, and people can live uh, almost normal because uh, there are still some people can have some rejection of the medication. Right, because um, you're saying, do you, do, you, do you still think there's a stigma attached to AIDS, or, or you know, do people feel that they're not welcome fully in society still? Unfortunately, the mentality of people uh, didn't change uh, totally, and so there is some uh, bad uh, bad feeling and bad. Uh, a mentality about uh, about that but uh, when you know them you know they're normal people and they are like uh, you and me absolutely well we hope uh, you raise a lot of money for uh, for fight aids monaco with the fight aids cup starts at 6 30 kick off at 6 30 yeah so but the open door uh, around uh, 5 5 15 okay and do, do people just turn up on the door or can they go to the stade louis de box office and get some tickets as well yeah, you can get tickets on the IS Monaco website because uh, IS Monaco is helping us uh, to sell the ticket online. Uh, and also you can buy uh, at the stadium, but you have to present a sanitary pass also. And uh, are you happy with the way Monaco are going this season? It's OK. Uh, I think they can do uh, a little bit better, but uh, we have to be happy w with uh, what we have because uh, it's not a disaster season uh, also. So we keep supporting them.
Well, we, we hope to see you back in the Champions League very, very soon. Louis, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, if everybody can go down to the Stade Luda uh, to support the Fight AIDS Monaco Cup next Monday, the 24th of uh, January. Louis, thank you again. Thank you. Riviera Radio. Business. Morning. Good morning. For the love of God, man, go. <laughs> Set for another dramatic day, of course, for the British Prime Minister, presumably what you're alluding to this after a former senior aide, we all know who he is, uh, claimed that he lied to Parliament. Apparently a group of Conservative MPs met yesterday to discuss his future. We don't know how many letters have gone into that 1922 committee Yet, certainly not hit that threshold that requires a leadership challenge, but uh, set to be another bruising encounter, one would suspect, at the uh, dispatch box later today. So who do you believe, compulsive liar one or compulsive liar two? This is it, <laughs> isn't it, really? Well, I wouldn't like to say. That's not for me to judge. Yeah. Uh, do you think Boris Johnson will still be Prime Minister by the end of today? <laughs> I'm guessing by the end of today is is uh, is a fairly sure bet. Beyond that, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, I mean, did you see the interview with Beth Rigby yesterday? It was absolute car crash material. Uh, I saw parts of it on the television. It had to be said, but it uh, continues to go back to this uh, this central theme, of course, around the parties. What he knew, did he know? Uh, did he go to it? All these types of things. Yeah, well, the um, the rumours are, I mean, there are rumours, but I think they are fairly substantiated that uh, the 54 letters have been gathered and, uh, well, he might even be given his marching orders or visited by the men in grey suits after question time today and uh, told he's got to go. OK, well, we'll... Uh... We wait to see how it unfolds uh, after 12 o'clock today. I think that at the end of the month would be a pretty safe bet. I shouldn't think you get very long odds on that. <laughs> Keeping you still, this you? political discussion. Like, uh, you know, let's get back to market, shall we? Plenty of us, <laughs> plenty of things to interest us there, at least. Who would you like to take over? <laughs> uh, thank you. Again, I'll let the great British public decide on that one. I mean, does does, uh, does the sissy like Rishi Sunak? I mean, you know, he's the uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, so presumably there must be an opinion in the sissy about him. Well, listen, I think he's done a good job. He's uh, managed to navigate through the course of the pandemic, helping businesses and uh, households to... Uh, to go through what has clearly been a turbulent time and uh, has won a number of plaudits as a result of that. So, um, absolutely. His marshalling of the economy appears to have been good during a difficult time. He'd be likely to turn the taps off on the spending, though, wouldn't he? <laughs> Let's get back to market, shall we? I <laughs> OK, <your> pretty bad. constant <laughs> goal to drag me into the political arena. Well, no, I was just asking for your expert opinion on whether you thought that um, the government's policies would change back to more austerity, but uh, that's for another day. Yes, pretty disastrous day on Wall Street yesterday. Big slide. Yeah, equities fell, Treasury yields surged yesterday. There's some concerns that central bankers will be forced to raise rates earlier and more aggressively as inflationary pressure such as energy continues to build. In fact, we had UK CPI numbers in this morning. Consumer price index was up 5.4% year on year in December. That was ahead of the estimate that was 5.2%. In fact, the highest in nearly 30 years. Alongside that, we've seen some disappointing earnings from the likes of Goldman Sachs, which has also been hitting the broader equity market. S&P 500 was down 1.8% yesterday. Big move in terms of technology market. The Nasdaq was down 2.6% after European shares closed down 1%. Treasuries fell across the curve, pushing yields up to levels 
last seen before the pandemic. German news actually only a whisker away from turning positive for the first time since May 2019. Oil rose 1.4% yesterday, hitting a seven-year high. Brent trading above $88 a barrel this morning. number of reasons for that. You've got geopolitical tensions. You've got the, uh, of course, tensions between the West and Russia over Ukraine. We had the attack on Abu Dhabi. Seen a recovering in demand and continued constrained supply against the backdrop of uh, a number of OPEC Plus members unable to meet their official production targets. So that's all playing through not only to energy markets, but also into inflation expectations. Big slide on Wall Street yesterday. We are looking at a weaker start on the European bourses this morning. Currently calling FTSE down 31 points. Stacks over in Frankfurt down 73 points. Capcom in Paris off 34 points. Yeah, the uh, the news about uh, Russia potentially invading Ukraine isn't good, is it? And that would totally overshadow Parsi Gates, as I was saying to Sarah yesterday. But, I mean, you know... What, what, why? I mean, what, you know, I'm struggling to understand why Vladimir Putin, with the world in such a state, and you were trying to cover, recover from coronavirus. I mean, why would you want to do that? Yes, well, it's uh, getting talking about British politics is tough enough without getting into the machinations of uh, uh, of Russian politics. It has to be said, but a significant build up of troops on the border there certainly adding to the tensions in the region. Yeah, well, if he does go ahead and uh, and invade, and it's going to kick off an almighty row, isn't it? So, well, uh, fingers crossed it doesn't happen. Uh, just going back to Goldman Sachs a minute, I mean, the profits almost doubled, or more than doubled, actually, uh, but uh, markets still weren't impressed. Why was that, then? Yeah, Goldman Sachs shares down 7%. Numbers, as you say, within themselves, certainly the four-year numbers were actually very good. Um, some concern about the rising or the rise that we've seen in terms of expenses. You're seeing that in terms of wage inflation, but you're also seeing it in terms of the fact they're having to invest more in terms of technology. So if you look at Goldman's operating expenses, they jumped 23%. But I say numbers okay. Reported a fall in fourth quarter profits. That was due to weaker trading activity, but a bumpy year for merger and acquisitions helped the bank report record full year profits. Revenue from its global markets business, which of course is home to the trading business, counts for about a third of revenue, fell 7%. That was due to that weakness that we saw in both equity and fixed income trading due to lower levels of volatility compared to a year ago. However, Goldman announced a 45% jump in investment banking revenues, record fees from advising on mergers, on IPOs, and deals involving special purpose acquisition companies. Its consumer bank and wealth management division also performed well. But I say it's really concerns around those rising costs that impacted the share price yesterday. And uh, do we have tears in the Potts household? Little Henry saying, Daddy's on the Xbox again. Oh, give it back. <laughs> no, not in my house, it has to be said. But uh, certainly lots of changes taking place in terms of the gaming industry. Microsoft, as we heard yesterday, agreed to pay $69 billion to purchase video game maker Activision Blizzard. It's an all-cash deal for the maker of Call of Duty franchise. They also make, I think, World of Warcraft and Candy Crush. The Activision purchase is Microsoft's biggest ever acquisition ahead of the $26 billion takeover of LinkedIn. The deal will make Microsoft the world's third biggest gaming company by revenue. Microsoft, remember, had huge cash pile. I think it was about $130 billion at the end of September. 
and they've been attracted for a long time to the rapidly growing gaming sector, which has accelerated during the course of the pandemic. Activision has something around about 400 million monthly active users, so they're obviously excited by that. In terms of market reaction, I thought it was interesting. No surprise, Activision share price rocketed up 25%. Microsoft shares down a little bit. You expect this with a deal down 2%. What it really tells me about the competition that Microsoft is going to bring to this industry is the reaction that we saw in Sony's share price. Sony, of course, the maker of the PlayStation, seeing their shares down 12% yesterday. Um, while you're here, I just wanted to... Is Sky going to be uh, re reporting soon? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure they are going to be reporting, but I don't know uh, when the latest figures are due offhand, it has to be said. I've just been thinking recently, it's looking expensive. I mean, what with Netflix and Disney and all the rest of it. I mean, uh, the subscription for Sky is, well, let's face it, the, the sport's been fragmented and the movies aren't really great unless you pay for them. Um, so does that uh, subscription price look a bit expensive in the current market? Well, um, it's still fundamental in many people's households. I have Sky along with some of those other ones that you mentioned. And I guess eventually people will start to make a decision which way that they want to go, whether they are prepared to pay for all of them, whether they just pick up on a few of them, and whether they are prepared to pay for a broader proposition like Sky. What Sky does have, of course, is um, sports, and that's incredibly important in terms of uh, the, the subscription market and gives them certainly a competitive edge so they can benefit from that but as we know the other operators increasingly encroaching upon that we know that bt for example had the ashes something you'd normally expect to see on sky we know that amazon prime and some of the other ones have been moving in in terms of football as well so what you're seeing is that market becoming incredibly competitive it's become fragmented inevitably that competition will put pressure on some of the other operators yeah and the fo football and the cricket are two things but also um sky no longer covers atp tennis anymore i mean if you want these things you've got to go to amazon or somewhere else yeah. and you know I'm, some people can afford it but a lot of people can't afford afford all of them at the same time it's very true. They'll be making uh, choices about which way they decide to go. So it'll be interesting, as you say, when we do get those Sky results, um, exactly w what they come through are in terms of the churn rate. That's the amount of people leaving the service. And certainly in the UK, when you start to see households coming under pressure, you've got tax rises coming through in April with the national insurance tax. You've got higher energy costs, of course, with the price cap rising. So certainly a broader range of households will be looking at their finances and having to make decisions about where they allocate some of their funds. Foreign exchanges, please. Pound against the dollar coming in at 136 this morning. Euro dollar coming in at 113. Highest CPI number we've seen this morning putting pressure on the Bank of England to hike interest rates. That's led to some sterling strength. Pound buying you €1.20 this morning. Thank you very much. Have a good day, sir. Talk to you tomorrow. Hank uh, Potts from Barclays. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lysans, the top stories across the Riviera. The latest data from Public Health France has shown that a new record has been reached with 464,769 new COVID cases identified in the last 24 hours in France. Numbers are on the rise in hospitals with an increase of 11% in one week with 2,407 new admissions on average per day. 
The number of deaths in hospital is also increasing by 5%, with 215 daily deaths in hospitals. Uh, the only decline is in intensive care, where 3,881 patients are currently admitted, with a 2% drop over a week. In Monaco on Tuesday, 106 new cases of COVID were declared, bringing the total number of residents affected to 6,943. 39 people are currently in hospital and 284 are being followed by the Home Monitoring Centre. From today, a new vaccination centre will open in Toulon for children aged 5 to 11. The centre is located at 1 Avenue Amiral Aube and is open on Wednesdays from 9am to 5pm and on Saturday and Sundays from 10am to 6pm. In other news this morning, as teachers get ready to strike tomorrow in protest against the government's handling of the health protocol in French schools, the police prefecture in Paris has announced a ban on demonstrations, claiming that the request to demonstrate in the French capital was submitted too late. And meanwhile, recently criticised Education Minister Jean-Michel Blanquer has said that he regrets the symbolism of his holiday in Ibiza, uh, saying that he should probably have chosen another place. According to recent reports in French media, the minister was on holiday on the Spanish island when he announced a controversial health protocol for schools. As speaking at the National Assembly on Tuesday, he said that the decisions he took would not have been different had he been elsewhere. And the opposition have demanded his resignation. The four main unions in the energy sector have launched a joint call for a strike by EDF employees on the 26th of January in protest against the measures that the government plans to impose on the group to contain the increase in electricity bills. In order to limit the rise in electricity prices for consumers within the context of soaring energy prices, the French government asked EDF, of which the state owns 84%, to increase by 20% the volume of nuclear electricity sold at a reduced price to its competitors. Uh, the decision has caused a stir amongst the managers at EDF, with CEO Jean-Bernard Levy describing the government's decision as a real shock. National rally candidate for the presidential elections, Marine Le Pen, will be in Fréjus in the VAR tomorrow to discuss her proposals uh, to the health service in France. The day's schedule includes a visit to a nursing home and a round table with carers. Marine Le Pen will be greeted in the morning by the mayor of Fréjus, David Rachelin, who decided on Monday to take legal action against the compulsory wearing of masks outdoors. A referee has been hit by the father of a player during an under-10s football match in Roquebrune Cap Martin. The incident occurred at the stadium on Saturday. Uh, the victim has since filed a complaint for assault. The most expensive villa in the world has failed to find a buyer. A Villa Aurora in Rome went up for auction on Tuesday for nearly half a billion euros. Owned by an ancient family of Roman nobility, a Villa Aurora was priced at 471 million euros. The next sale will take place on April the 7th for a revised estimate of 376.8 million euros, a discount of 20%. Many Italians would like the property to remain Italian rather than fall into the hands of a wealthy foreigner and have asked the state to buy it. Finally, you might want to check your change as certain two euro coins could be worth more than you thought. Collectors are reportedly eager to get their hands on a 2008 two euro coin, which was uh, 
minted in Germany. It's popular due to an error, as the European borders are not on it. Uh, there's also a Monegasque two euro coin from 2007 uh, to mark the 25th anniversary of Grace Kelly's death. And finally, a popular two euro coin of the Vatican, which came into circulation uh, back in 2004. Riviera Radio, Sports News. So what would you do if you left your credit card at home and um, you had a few euros in your pocket and you needed to pay, you know, parking? Well, that's what's happened to me, you see. I've had to use them because I've, I've been in the need of needing two euros. So what would you do if you, the choice, the thing's worth several hundred euros <laughs> and you, that's all the money you've got on you? Well, I guess it depends what you were having to do, if, how important the task was that you had to do, that you had to spend two euros on. Well, parking, to get out of the car park. Ah, uh, to get out of the car park. No, I'd leave the car there. You'd walk, leave the car walk there? Walk home and get the card. Good idea. Tennis, day three of the Australian Open in Melbourne with world number one Ash Barcy safely through to round three following a straight set demolition of Lucia Bronzetti of Italy. Yelena Ostapenko is also through off to beating Alison Risk in three sets. And uh, Rafael Nadal through to round three. He's just beaten uh, Yannick Hoffman of Germany in straight sets. Highlights of day two included Andy Murray making the second round in a five-set thriller against Nicholas Bazalashvili and the US Open champion Emma Raducanu beating Sloane Stephens in three sets. Football. Chelsea's title challenge must be over after they were held to one all-draw at Brighton last night. Here are the details from BBC Sports. I'll go make a cup of coffee. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Paul Serres at the BBC Sports Centre. Brighton came from behind to secure a point at home against Chelsea, denying the Blues the chance to move above Liverpool and into second place in the table. Hakim Ziyech had given Chelsea the lead in the first half against the run of play before Adam Webster's equaliser on the hour mark. The interim Manchester United boss, Ralph Rangnick, considers the Anthony Martial matter resolved after speaking to the France forward. Rangnick had said Martial didn't want to be in the squad for Saturday's game against Aston Villa. Martial responded on Instagram by saying he would never refuse to play a match for Man United. Rangnick was speaking ahead of Wednesday's match at Brentford. I had a conversation with him uh, on Sunday a personal conversation with him about what happened and how I saw the whole situation. The matter is now resolved. He didn't train yesterday and the day before yesterday. He will probably train today and after training I will then take the decision if he's nominated or not. And well, let's see what will happen then. The Tottenham manager Antonio Conte says he's never known a league to postpone matches because of injuries. It follows the Premier League's decision to call off Sunday's North London derby with Arsenal, who asked for the postponement because they were unable to field a team with 13 senior outfield players due to injuries and players away at the Africa Cup of Nations. I think that uh, if uh, Premier League decides to postpone uh, games uh, for injuries, it means that maybe they have to try to uh, to make a, a best uh, schedule and uh, to reduce uh, maybe uh, to play games. But I repeat, and this is uh, the first time in my life that uh, there is a league that uh, postponed the game for, for injuries. Now for more football news from the BBC, go to bbc.com forward slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Oh, well, I suppose we'll just have to concentrate on the Cups now. 
I think that was Tickle's plan all along, actually. You know, Probably. Retain the Champions League, win the League Cup, maybe win the FA Cup as well. Can't score goals, though, Chelsea. You know, the Lukaku thing's just not working for no, them. No, it's not. And, they need um, a 2-4-4-2-2-1. Two, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, Reese James and Bell Chil- Ben Chilwell are big misses as well because they're really dynamic at the back there. But, uh, uh, well, yes. Two games tonight, Leicester against Spurs and Brentford against Manchester United. Who are you going for there? Leicester Spurs? I'll go to Spurs. Leicester for me. And Brentford against Man United? I'll go for Brentford. Going for Brentford? Yes. Yeah, it's not a bad shout, actually. In the English Championship last night, the Fulham goal-scoring machine notched up another impressive win, 6-2 against Birmingham this time, to go top of the table, and Preston and Sheffield United drew 2 all. In the Scottish Premiership last night, Aberdeen and Rangers drew one all. St Mirren were 2-1 winners over Dundee United. Hearts beat St Johnston 2-0. Livingston beat Dundee 2-0. And Ross County were 3-1 winners over Motherwell. Cricket, the England and Wales Cricket Board has launched an investigation after police in Hobart were forced to intervene to break up a post-Ashes drinking session at these teams' base. A video shows the England captain, Joe Root, as well as James Anderson and the Australian trio of Nathan Lyon, Alex Carey and Travis Head being ordered to disperse by police. The England squad has apologised for the inconvenience after complaints were made by hotel guests. Some of them said they didn't realise that it was a party. Formula One, there may not be any sprint races next season in a row over money. Formula One has an agreement in principle with the teams to increase sprint races from three to six next season, but McLaren's Zach Brown says that there are issues over funding. Eight out of the ten teams need to agree on the detail for the sprint races to go ahead, but reports say some are holding out for more money. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore, the Almarasim and the Var. The general situation is high pressure, 1,030 to 1,032 millibars over the region. Uh, winds are variable, force 1 to 3, the sea is calm, visibility is good. Barometric pressure, Saint-Jean Cap-Ferrat, 1,031 millibars. And the outlook for Thursday, clear skies, force 3 to 4 easterly winds, slight seas and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are southwesterly, force 3 to 4, the sea is slight, visibility is good, barometric pressure at Cap Course, 1,030 millibars, and the outlook for Thursday, clear skies, force 3 to 5 westerly winds, slight to moderate seas, and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. Uh, mainly fine, the slight risk of a shower in the VAR this afternoon. Light southerly winds are high of 12 to 14 degrees. Overnight lows 3 to 7 degrees with partially cloudy skies. Thursday and Friday clear skies, highs of 12 to 14 degrees. Finally. Researchers have suggested that eye scans could, in the future, be used to calculate your risk of dying. Oh, great. <laughs> Academics claim that your eyes act as a window in allowing doctors to take a deeper look at someone's health. And Australian scientists have now linked what's in your eyes and the risk of death. Uh, so it can be calculated by an AI programme that analyses images uh, taken from your eyes and the internal back surface of the eye and uh, see yeah, what the chances are of you dying in the next 10 years. <laughs> Sorry. Be cheerful. <laughs> Do you want to? I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. Oh, I don't know. I was just thinking that I couldn't make up my mind. What, you want to know when you're going to die? Well, because then you could do everything that you wanted to do, couldn't you? If, like, if you knew. It would take away the surprise, though, wouldn't it? This is true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for those scanners they, they use on Star Trek to be invented. It just heals you, whatever's Well, yeah, I you. thought we were going to live forever, aren't we? Aren't, aren't we going to be able to soon be reproduced and re-put back together again? 
Cryogenics, I think it's called. Oh, something like that. 